Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. We are in week three of a series we've called Patterns, and I want to teach you today. I'm going to do my best to teach uh, the Bible to you today. I am normally a preacher, and uh, that's just who I am. I tried in my 20s to be somebody different. And that didn't work, so I just decided to be who I was. <laughs> but I am going to try to, we're going to, I want to study God's Word today together in this third week of this series on patterns. If you're new to this series, new to our church, uh, I'd encourage you to catch this message again on YouTube. You can uh, catch up on this series. We said last week, the destinies are defined by day-to-day decisions. Day-to-day decisions. How do you make day-to-day decisions? Well, I don't know if you're this way, but I'm a to-do list kind of guy. Where's everybody that's to-do list? And I'm a to-do list on post-it notes. Let me see your hands. You're the special ones. Yeah. I feel like if I put it on a tiny piece of yellow paper, somehow it's more important, you know. And So my desk is full of post-it notes of to-dos and things I have to do. And I use my inbox as a to-do list. I, uh, I, I believe in inbox zero. That was a pause for an amen. And all of you heathens that keep 300 unread messages, in about 30 minutes, they're going to be an altar call, and you need to come to the front and ask God to forgive you for that. I like like a to-do list. I like like knowing what I have to work on. But there's some things in my life, listen, there's some things in your life, we need to make a not-to-do list. Let me say it better than that. We need to make a stop-doing list. If you're going to move your life forward, if you're going to move your relationships forward, your marriage, your relationship with God, your career, your faith life, your prayer life, you may have to make a list not just of stuff to start doing. You may have to make a list of stuff to stop doing. There's some stuff that may have attached to you or brought into your marriage or brought into your your thinking or your thought life or your spiritual life. You don't really know how it got there. But you need to stop doing some stuff. If you're going to break some habits and cycles and establish new healthy patterns in your life, you're going to have to stop doing some stuff. I'll go ahead and give you a a, a list I made for myself. I'm going to have to stop scrolling social media as much as I do. Right? Not because of y'all, but people at other churches get on my nerves. On Facebook. None of y'all do. But, but, and, and, and so I realized I got to protect my own peace. And the only way I can protect my peace is by what I let in my mind. Are you there? So I put it on my not-to-do list. You may have to stop binging Netflix. When you say you don't have time to pray, but you had time for four seasons of Stranger Things. Back to back to back. <laughs> All in a row. Over the summer, my kids make a bucket list, a summer bucket list. And they write down lists of things. One of, one of our incredible dream teamers uh, Kesley uh, helps our family. She assists our family, my children, yeah. Kess assists my family. And, and so one of the things she taught my kids is my kids make lists when Kess comes to, to babysit uh, them. And so we, make, we had to make a bucket list of stuff to do in the summer. Now, my kids are like their mama. They got big dreams, okay, somebody? So we had to set some expectations, all right? Like, we're not going to do all this stuff on this list. But one of them was to watch... All of the Pirates of the Caribbean. We were kind of, we were, we'd been praying for Johnny Depp. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. So, 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 
And so, and so for a season, for a couple of weeks, man, that was the only thing. And we watched. And sometimes you need to just turn some stuff off. Sometimes you, you, you may need to put on your not-to-do list gossiping. It's not spilling the tea. It's somebody's business. And it ain't yours. That's good preaching. You may need to stop. You need to fast negativity. You know what would change your life the most? I believe this with all of my heart. What would change your life the most if you fasted from now till next Sunday? Any negative thing coming out of your mouth. I'm not going to complain about anything. I'm not going. Listen, it would change me just not to complain about the heat. Come on, somebody. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop biting my nails. I'm going to stop picking a fight. Look, listen to me. Married men, look at me. You don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to. I just saw a wife go, that's exactly right. You don't, you don't have to pick a fight. You don't have to believe the worst in people. You may need to stop expecting failure in your life. You may need to stop overeating Oreos. Come on, somebody. You may need to stop highlighting only negative things in your life. There's some stuff you got to stop doing because, we said this last week, everybody has similar goals. Everybody wants a healthy marriage. Everybody wants a positive life. Everybody wants a vibrant spiritual life. But we have vastly different results. In other words, not everybody gets to the goal in their mind. Nobody plans to live paycheck to paycheck it happens when you overspend what you don't have. Nobody plans for that to happen, to get in debt. Nobody plans to be in poor health and, and to die young and to miss grandchildren. But it happens when you make daily decisions that get you into this particular pattern. Nobody plans to live the life of an addict and be chained to a chemical or a pill or alcohol and lose your marriage and lose the trust of your children. It just happens day after day after day. Nobody plans to live a mediocre life. Nobody plans to be depressed. Nobody plans to not have passion and drive and vision in your life. Nobody plans to live a life of regrets. But it happens, listen, it happens not by one big event. It happens every day in the direction of your life. In the patterns that you make. Rarely, listen to me, rarely do you end up at the wrong place because of one bad choice. Some people summarize their lives in that one bad choice. Rarely do people just say, this was that one catastrophe and then everything went bad. No, no, no. I ended up at the wrong place because I took one step at a time in the wrong direction. It was the wrong day. It was the wrong time. And I made a move one day at a time, one hour at a time, one bad habit at a time, one bad pattern at a time. And I wasted the potential of God on my life. Maybe the potential of God in your marriage. Maybe the potential in your ministry. Maybe the potential in your relationships or the potential in your thought life or where God wants you to be. Because, write this in your notes if you're taking notes today, we don't end up at potential. We end up at our patterns. Nobody ends up at their potential. I wish you did. I think the hardest thing in over two decades of vocational ministry. I think the hardest. Brandy and I talked about this yesterday together on a walk. The hardest thing I do is to see the potential of God in a life. And realize you will not end up at your potential. You will only end up at your patterns. You will not end up in what could have been. You'll end up in what you did. Nobody ever ends up 
and the purpose of God and the potential that God initially gives them. They end up when they couple the patterns of their life with the potential of God. When they decide my patterns are going to line up to my potential. No, no, nobody, nobody, you, you don't end up where you should have or could have. You end up where you walked. Direction. I didn't put it on the screen, but you should write it down. Direction, not intention, determines destination. I can turn my body this direction. And as much as I try to walk that way, if I keep taking steps this way, I could intend to go that way, but my intentions don't determine where I end up. My direction does. And in your life, in your spiritual life, in your marriage, in your thought life, on your job, in your career, in your spiritual and prayer life, and fasting and devotion, in your career, in the way that you present yourself, in your mental health, emotional health, you don't end up, I intend to go that way. I really intend to have a good marriage. I intend to have a good relationship with my parents. I intend for that. Well, intentions don't get us there. Direction does. I intend to be successful in my job. Well, you get up every day. You're the first one there. You have a good attitude. You give a good day's work. You you honor. you, You glorify God in how you work. It's not what you intend to do. It's the pattern that you walk in. Say amen to that. Let me pause here and look at all the single people in the room. Don't marry their potential. Marry their patterns. Not y'all, but other places that I've ministered. I have met with single people who say, but pastor, he's got so much potential. Don't marry them based on their potential. If he's a slob now, he's going to be a married slob then. If she's controlling now, she's going to be controlling then. Are you with me there? It's not the potential. Well, pastor, he's not saved now, but I see so much in him. I appreciate that. Why don't you let him start walking that direction and developing a pattern in his life? And when the patterns start revealing who he really is, then you get married. Do you understand, everybody? Don't marry on potential. I'm helping some parents with some 18-year-olds. Just keep shaking your head and amen in this part of the message. Don't let them marry potential. Marry potential. Patterns. Look at his checkbook. Look at his calendar. If he don't have a checkbook or a calendar, that's a no. Look at everything in his life. Look at his patterns. Where does he spend his money? How does she spend her time? How do they keep their car clean? I'm preaching now. How does she clean her room at her mama's house? If she can't clean that, she won't clean your house. How does he keep his car clean? If he don't clean that, he ain't going to pick his drawers up when you marry him. Look at the patterns of their life. If I'm, I'm going to keep going until y'all amen. If he took $120,000 worth of student loans and he's waiting on the president to forgive them instead of paying those jokers back, look at the patterns of his life and not the potential of his life. You can send all your complaints to Aubrey at cityhillstx.com. <laughs> we don't end up at our potential. We end up at our patterns. You didn't fall into this. You walked into this. Nobody falls into addiction. They walk every day into it. Some people summarize 
the bad season of their life in one sentence that really doesn't tell the full story. He was so young and he died of a heart attack because he was in bad health. That doesn't tell the whole story about no exercise and healthy diet. Well, she just, she cheated on him one day and then they divorced. That doesn't tell the whole story about connecting with an old boyfriend on Facebook and taking daily decisions. doesn't tell the thousand small bad decisions that led to the summary. It happens in the Bible sometimes. You'll read a sentence. You'll think, man, that seems so innocuous. It seems so small. It doesn't, how, did, how did we get here? There's a guy in the Bible in the Old Testament named Samson. You probably know the story. Samson gets to the end of his life. I'll tell you the end of the story first. He gets to the end of his life. He's chained like a mule, like a pack mule chained to a mill. His eyes are plucked out. He's blind and he's walking in circles, grinding mills while being taunted and laughed at by the Philistine army. The potential of his life was so great. He had a covenant with God. He was a Nazarene. He had a special relationship with God. There was tons of potential since a young boy on Samson's life, but he makes decisions that lead him to this utter, broken, weak, terrible place at the end of his life. Ends up asking God for one more sign of strength and destroys all the Philistines, but in the process dies. By the way, the thing that you think you want may end up killing you in the process. So Samson dies and didn't start there. Didn't, didn't start with Delilah. Didn't start with long hair getting cut. Didn't start with being sold. Didn't start with that. It actually started in Judges 16. One little verse. It doesn't really tell all the small stories. But it says this. Judges 16 and 1. One day, one day, Samson went to Gaza where we saw a prostitute. One day, Samson made a decision. Samson lives in a town called Zorah. It's about 25 miles away from Gaza. Gaza is the capital of the Philistine army. This is, this is enemy number one in the life of a Hebrew or the Philistines. And he sets his direction, listen to me, 25 miles away. Now there's no Uber in Samson's day. Are you with me everybody? My brother walked 25 miles, 56,250 steps. Who walks 25 miles for a little booga booga? You know what I'm saying? Who does that? That's what he did. He walked 25 miles, and there he saw a prostitute. Nobody means to end up in chains. You just walk that way. Nobody means to end up with your eyes plucked out at the end of your life. You just walk that way. No, no, nobody means to lose out with God and the covenant they have with God. You just made a decision one day to walk that way. Who would be stupid enough to risk all that God has in their life for so little? People do it every day. You may be in the middle of a decision right now where you're willing to throw away all the blessing of God on your life for a decision. Samson didn't ruin his life in one day. He didn't ruin his wife, life in one decision. He took 56,250 steps towards the wrong decision. Let me ask you in your life, what are you walking towards? What are you walking your marriage toward? Are you serving together? Are you praying together regularly? 
Do you talk positive in your life? Are you walking towards a healthy, whole, godly marriage? Or do you fight and cuss and fuss and throw and lose your temper and backbiting and talking about? Are you walking your family towards godliness? You can't wait. Listen to me, parents. Look at me. Don't wait till they're 17, 18 and ask what went wrong. Decide when they're 7 or 8. Here's the direction we're going to set them on. And I got the, There's a verse in this book that says, if you'll raise them that way, if you'll train them up in the way they should, if you'll train them in direction, the Bible says when they're old, it, it literally means they'll know which way to get home. They'll know which way to go. They'll know how to live their lives. But if you raise them with different direction, and we don't really know how to do it, so how do I do it? How do I break a pattern in my life? What habit do you need to break in your life? What direction do you need to be careful of? Samson, where, where, where's the thing you need to go? You know what? I can't go there. I'm not supposed to do that. James 1 and 21 says, Get rid of every filthy, everybody say habit. Every filthy habit and all the wicked conduct and submit to God and accept the word that He has, that He plants in your hearts, which is able to, look at this, it's able to save you. Now listen. James wasn't saying it's able to save you from hell. He meant it's able to save you from living in hell. It's not like eternal salvation. It's li James literally meant if you'll get rid of that, if you'll learn how to break that habit, it'll save you from a lifetime of struggle. It'll save you from a lifetime of counseling and therapy. It'll save you from getting to where you didn't mean to get. It'll save you from rehab. It has saved your life from laying in a hospital bed full of regret. It saves you in your life. So how do we break bad patterns in our life? I'm glad that you asked. Here's what I know about a good pattern. What I know about good habits is they're usually harder in the beginning and their payoff comes later. You with me? Good patterns in your life start hard. It's hard to get up at 6 in the morning and be motivated to go walk outside in Bernie, Texas when it's 127 degrees at 7 a.m. Say amen to that. It's hard. It makes, I, the last couple of weeks I keep telling my wife, this makes me not want to go to hell more than anything else. Living through this heat makes me not want to go to hell. I do not want to go to hell because of this heat. It's hard to get up in the morning. It's hard to think about it. It's difficult in the morning. But when you do it over time, you realize, man, three, four, five, six months later, my life is better. I, I, my, my shirts fit a little bit looser. My, my life feels better. My emotional and mental health is better. It's hard to begin, but the payoff's in the end. Are you there? Bad habits are just the opposite. Bad patterns in your life feel wonderful in the beginning. And they don't show up until the end. The payoff. The problem. The negative results come later. It's okay. It feels right to have a drink every night to relieve stress. Feels good. Feels like I, I, I need this to be able to. I, I deserve this. I've, I've earned this. This was a hard day. This was a hard season. It may be decades of that before you look back and realize you can't get up in the morning without it. What you used to use to go to sleep, now you have to use to wake up. It feels right in the beginning. 
it just gets harder in the end. You, it feels right. Come on, somebody now. Look at me because all y'all like when I preach about stuff like that. You don't like this one. It feels right to be the customer of the year at Golden Corral. Come on, everybody. It feels right to get a punch card at Krispy Kreme and get all them jokers punched in one week. Feels good. <laughs> Until six months later when I sit in front of my doctor with lab results and you got diabetes. Are you with me? It feels right early. Bad patterns always feel right early. And the results don't show up till late. And good patterns hurt early. But the good stuff shows up later in your life. And I'm telling you, I'm imploring you. You're going to have to decide when you endure pain. You will not avoid hard times. You just got to decide. Am I going to pick the hard times early? Make the sacrifice now? Decide to do the right things now so that the payoff is later? Or am I going to take the easy way now and then the, bad, the pain comes later? Am I going to decide to get up early for prayer in August for 21 days of prayer? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's 5 o'clock in the morning. Some of you aren't morning people. Some of you didn't know that there were actually two 6 o'clocks on your clock. You knew about the one at the end, but there's actually one at the beginning. And you think, church people come and pray that time. Yeah, this place will be packed with church people at 6 o'clock in the morning. By the way, I love a church that prays. That's how you build a godly, revival, spirit-moving kind of church, everybody. But if you'll decide now, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to do the hard thing Monday through Friday in the month of August. I'm going to get up and come to prayer. And you look back over your life in September and October and November and realize, man, I'm closer to God than I've ever been. I hear from God like I never have. I paid the price early. I chose the pain early. And now the payoff comes into my life. So how do you break a bad pattern? I'm glad you ask. Write this in your notes. I hope you're taking good notes. Number one, you got to make it difficult to do. I know this sounds easy, but it's not. you got to make bad patterns hard to do. The opposite is also true. you got to make good patterns easy to do. You can have so much willpower in your life. I will not eat a whole half dozen of Krispy Kreme. I'm only going to eat half a donut. Come on, somebody. Krispy, where are all my Krispy Kreme fans at? Where are you at? It really is the best donut, isn't it? It's like eating tiny baby angels. Get Krispy Kreme donuts. They're soft and fluffy. And <laughs> and I start, it's second service and I'm hungry. I start with half a donut and then I think, well, nobody's going to eat the other half. They think. I touched it, you know, so I eat the other half. And then six donuts later, here's where we are, everybody. Listen to me. How do, you got to make it. If you never go by the hot light, you never eat the whole dozen. This message is really for me. <laughs> if you never. If you don't have social media. It's easier not to be down the rabbit hole of depression and comparison and anxiety. If you struggle with pornography, I actually counseled a guy one time who was struggling with pornography strictly on his phone. It used to be that you had to buy a magazine. Then it was you had to go to a website. Now you just use the same device that you talk to your kids on a phone. 
And I remember sitting in my office saying, how can we solve this? He said, if I have access to it, I can't control it. I said, well, then stop access to it. And that day, literally that day, we sold his iPhone and he bought a flip phone. Look like this right here. You say, that looks silly. It looks silly, but he's still married today. He's living with his children today. And he's out of addiction today. Are you with me, everybody? you got to make it hard to do. I, I read, I, I'm, I'm reading in my devotion. I actually started back over in Genesis, a new reading plan. And, and so in my devotion, I'm reading, a, a, I'm a halfway through Genesis, and then I do Psalms and Proverbs. And I found in the book of Proverbs this very strong statement about how you avoid a bad pattern. Proverbs 4 and 14. Solomon says it like this. Do not set your foot on the path of the wicked. I love how strong this is. Don't set your, you won't end up in the place of the wicked if you never set your foot on the path of the wicked. Don't set foot on the path. Don't walk in the way. Now look at this. He says the same thing four times. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it. Go a different way. Now that's strong. Pastor, I don't know how to stop doing this. I know. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. And go your own way. It's okay in 2022 to have convictions and boundaries in your life. It's still alright for Christians to say, I don't do that. We don't go there. I don't think like that. I don't let that in my house. I don't, are you there? I don't, we don't let that in our kids. Our kids don't listen to that. We don't watch that. We don't go there. I don't wear that. I don't think like that. We don't listen to that. I know that sounds old school, but this is kind of old school living because the pattern the world is on isn't working for anybody. So if I'm you and I am, I've decided that's not working. I'll try something else. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to say, we don't do that. There's some convictions in our life that I would never put on you. There's some stuff Brandy and I have decided. Here's our line. Here's the line that we're going to draw on the sand. We got a lot of reasons why. Not really your business. It could be family history. It could be where we come from. It could be how we were raised. It could be what we struggle with. But we've decided some stuff. The other day, we put my little boy. I have a seven-year-old little husky boy. In sports camp. Oh, thank you. That was pity because you know he's like me, right? Yeah. Anyways, so he did seven days and five days, five days. He's finishing up this week and his coach came to his mom on Friday. She said, I think, I think he's got natural ability. Now, by the way, I'm not stupid. They pay these coaches to tell all these little husky kids, I think he's got it. Your kid ain't got it. Come on, somebody. All right. But it felt good. His mom and I were like, oh, I know. Oh, yeah, his daddy's, look at him, but he's got it. Yeah. <laughs> but I love this. Listen, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what we did. In that moment, I mean, that pride wells. But in that moment, my wife looked at the coach and said, just so you know, I know you've got a, and we got baseball camp, and we got football camp, and we got this, and we got that, and we got that. Just so you know, we have to order our lives differently. So he's not going to show up to everything. He can't, his schedule won't, he's seven. He don't keep a schedule. We keep a schedule. And we decided there's some stuff in our life we're just not going to do. 
We just decided I'm gonna. We're gonna avoid it. We're not gonna travel and we're not. We're gonna turn. We're gonna make it difficult for stuff in our life to end up in the wrong place. Sometimes you make it so easy that you end up in a pattern in what psychologists call a habit loop. It's it's where in your life in the habit loop you have a cue, a trigger that happens in your life. There's this thing that happens that causes you to create a routine or a pattern or a habit in your life. And then there's that immediate reward that you get out of that. And when you get that immediate reward, psychologists say, it brings you to another trigger. Now, if you look at the screen, you can tell this is a cycle. Some people end up in this cycle of a trigger that, 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 Causes them a cue, a thing that's, every time I think that, this comes into my mind. Every time I do that, I have this thought, I have this feeling. And then it creates this, this routine that I keep going back to it over and over and over again. Because I feel like I get this reward, I get this hit of dopamine, I get this thing that I really enjoy. And then it comes back and I end up, and listen, before long, look into my eyes. There are 50, 60 year old people in this room who realize you've spent the last 25 years in a cycle. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in one decision. It happened in one direction. I just stayed in this pattern. And I don't know how we're here. You got to watch for the right triggers. If you can listen, if you can replace the trigger, you can break the cycle. Listen, I'm going to teach you. I'm giving you the, the takeaway. I still have one more message to preach next week. And I'm going to give you the whole thing. If you can break the trigger, you can break the cycle. That's a, that's a releasing word for somebody in the room today. If you can get rid of this trigger, you can break the cycle. What you're calling a generational curse is just generational cycles. It's not, listen, it's not that your daddy cursed you with this. It's that your daddy taught you this. He taught you that when there's an argument you go get a beer to get rid of the pain and it becomes a routine that you forget and you get happier and the next argument triggers you and now it's a case a day. Are you there? That's not a generational curse. That's a generational habit. That's a pattern in your life. So if I break the trigger, I break the curse, break the cycle. I get out of this pattern. What are the triggers? I'm going to give you five. There's probably more. I'm going to give you five. I'm telling you, I'm teaching you today. I want to help you today. Here, write these five down. There's a place that could trigger you, right? Every time I go to this place, every time I'm there, nobody ever overeats at the gym. Come on, somebody, right? Nobody gets high at church, right? I was expecting more amens right there. You got to change the place. What time? When I, when I get, listen to me, what time does this happen? Is it late at night? Nobody looks at pornography in a small group. You look at pornography late at night when you don't think anybody's around. Right? There's a time that you realize the trigger. When I'm alone at this time, this happens. It's a trigger. What mood am I in? Come on, where's all my hangry people at? You know what I'm saying? They're two hands. You get hungry, you go from zero to hangry right now, right? I get this mood, man. I, 
uh, my attitude, my, all my stuff. I get, man, what moment in time? Every time she says this, it triggers and I do this. Right? Every time I walk into this, I, I was with uh, uh, some, some people a few days ago and we were talking about this cycle and this trigger that he's broken out of in his life. And he said it was this, it was literally a moment. Every time this would happen, I would immediately have this emotion. Who are the people that trigger you? Look straight ahead just in case you're sitting next to your trigger. <laughs> Who are the people that trigger you? David. David and Bathsheba. David had a place and time issue that triggered him. David didn't just fall into temptation with Bathsheba. And, and, and honestly, the potential of David's life was to build the temple. The temple that still stands today, the western wall in Jerusalem, was supposed to be David's temple. As a matter of fact, David paid for it. Where's all the parents still paying for your kids building stuff? Yeah, keep your hands down. David paid for his son to build the temple. Why? Because of the sin of his life. It was supposed to be David's. He had all this potential. But he had a pattern that led him to Bathsheba one day. He kills a man. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. Look at me. That's kind of a big deal. Like one commandment's one thing. My brother got two at one swipe, okay? Adultery and murder in the same scenario. How does it happen? I'll tell you. I'll tell you the trigger. Look at me. It's in the, you can find it. When you look for triggers, you can find it. Second Samuel. Look at the second Samuel 11 and 1. In the spring. When? When? There's a time. At the time. When kings were supposed to go off to war. David sends Joab, his mighty man, out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Time and place. Time and place. There was no Bathsheba had David gone to Rabbah. But David, at the time he was supposed to be fighting, in the place he was supposed to fight, stays home in Jerusalem. And there's a trigger. Are you there, everybody? David should have been fighting. You should have been serving. You could have been giving. You could have been praying. What's the trigger? What's the mood? What's the moment after you fight with your husband? Do you immediately call your girlfriends and have a man bashing party? Does it create all this anxiety in your marriage? Because there's one moment. After you flunk a test, college students, when you, when you, when you, when you mess up and you think, man, I just... I completely blew that test. And you go smoke pot. And you think, man, that was terrible. And then after you pass a test, you're celebrating and you go smoke pot. <laughs> after you skip a test, you smoke pot. It's pot in college. That's what I'm trying to tell y'all. Look at me. What's, what's, the, what's the moment in your life? Be aware. Make it difficult. Who are the people who trigger in your life? Now I'm going to help you. I got one minute. Oh, it's, oh gosh. Counting down. Who are the people in your life? Who are the people? Somebody said the other day, it doesn't really matter. You don't need all of that. Jesus hung out with sinners. Yeah, you're not Jesus. Number one. Let me, let me start with that. Jesus had a prostitute wash his uh, feet with her hair. Don't try that, okay? You're not Jesus. I ain't coming to get you out of jail if you've got a prostitute washing her. Are you with me, everybody? <laughs> 
It matters who you hang out with. Proverbs 13 and 20 said, If you walk with the wise, you become wise. But if you hang out with lazy, no good, drinking, negative, gossiping fools of people, you will end up in the same life they have. It matters. Look at your closest friends. Are they, are they godly? Do they go to church? Do they speak life? Do they live on a budget? Do they have a good marriage? Did they raise godly kids? Those are the people you're supposed to be with. It gets easier for you to live the right life, to have the right pattern if other people are walking with you. That's why church membership is so important. That's why a small group is so important. That's why in about six weeks we launch a whole semester of small groups. Not because we need something else to do on the midweek. But because I want you to walk with people. It's almost impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. It's almost impossible. You got to remove the trigger out of your life. If you want to get up for prayer, you got to move the alarm clock to the other side of the room. Come on, somebody. If you're overspending on Amazon, give your password to somebody else. If you're having a tough time with gambling, sexual addiction, with pills, go to rehab, change the pattern. Why would you resist temptation tomorrow if you have the power to eliminate it today? Why would you fight a devil tomorrow that you have the ability to eliminate today? Because the habits you have today shape who you become tomorrow do you like the direction you're headed Samson if I could stop you on the road to Gaza and say hey I know it doesn't look like much now but let me walk this out for you I know it seems innocent now but let me walk this out for you I'll tell you something I had a friend one time who would, who would tell how he would go in his mind and have pretend conversations with his children if he were to cheat on their mother. One time he literally set up chairs in the room, sat in one chair and looked at these empty chairs and told his pretend daughters, I cheated on your mother. Because... If you walk down the road long enough, you realize, I don't like where this is. I don't want to get there. I don't want to get in that place. I don't want my life to end up there. I don't want to wish I'd spent more time with my kids. I don't want to wish I'd forgiven them. Had a relationship. I don't, I don't want to wish I never started. I had no idea. How such a small thing would make such a big difference. That's why Zechariah 4 and 10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings. Because the Lord rejoices. Listen, 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 listen. The Lord rejoices to see work. Just deciding that the pattern is different. Just beginning today. Just wake up tomorrow. Decide. I was walking this way. 
I was leading this way. I was headed this way. But when I, when I walked down the end of the road in my mind, I didn't like where it ended. So I'm going to turn around. Actually, repentance in the Bible, the word repent literally means, it's a military term. It literally means to turn around. It's an about face. It's, I was headed this way, now I'm headed this way. I just decided, if my direction determines my destination, not my intentions, I'm going to fix my direction. You don't have to get it all right, but there's evidence that starts to build up that you are who you say you are. Listen to me, look at me. You won't feel like a godly husband on the first day. But there's evidence if you just keep walking in the right direction. You won't feel like a godly mother. Matter of fact, it may feel hard one day to walk in the room and say, today's the end of this. This is the last time we go here. We're not going to watch this anymore. This isn't in our home anymore. It may, it may be tough on that. First. You won't feel like an accomplished musician the first time you practice. But eventually, you walk in the right direction. You, you won't feel like a godly husband the first time you wake up for prayer. Try 21 of them. You won't feel like an ambassador of the kingdom of God every time you give, every time you serve others. But just keep coming. Just keep serving. You won't feel like an overcomer the first time. But you just keep walking the same direction. See what God can do with a life. It's completely surrendered. You wake up one day and you realize, look over your shoulder and you go, man, I'm glad I broke that. Man, I'm glad this pattern went this direction. Man, I'm glad things moved like this. Man, I'm glad I made my decision today to change some patterns in my life, to change the whole course of my destiny. Bow your heads for prayer all over the house. I want to give you a chance to respond to God today. Now listen, we pray at the end of every service. Nobody moving except our team. Take about 60 seconds, 120 seconds. Just don't move. Today I want to ask you two questions in our response time. Number one, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you in this moment? What's God, the Holy Spirit's putting His finger on some part of your heart, some part of your life, some part of your mind, your emotions. What, where's, he, where's He pointing at? Ask, ask God, God, what, what, what's, what are you saying to me? God, what do you want me to do? God, what's this mean for me? God, what is this change in me? God, where, where could I do differently? God, what, what is it that I need to see here? And then the second question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about it when the Holy Spirit says, here's that thing. Hey, here's that attitude. Hey, here's that speech. Hey, here's what you're saying. Hey, here's that, here's that thought. Hey, here's that action. Hey, here's that thing in your life. What are you going to do with it? I'd like for you to surrender it to God. Matter of fact, I think it's an act of surrender. If you know that God's talking to you about some patterns in your life that have to change, some direction that needs to change, and you're deciding today, I'm going to make... I'm, I, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm going to make a change. i got to start moving a different direction. i got to break this trigger that breaks this cycle in my life. But that's you. And you want to be included in this final prayer, would you just raise your hand boldly and say, that's me. 
That's me. Include me in this prayer. I see hands up all over the house. Hands I see you in the back. Keep your hand up. I see you. Couples, I see you. Thank you. I see you. Single adults, thank you. Every time this happens, I lose my temper. I see you. Every time this trigger comes, I say this. I see you. Every time I start feeling like that, I run to this. I see you. So now, God, with my hand raised high, I repent. Come on, that's your part. I repent. I turn around. God, I'm sorry. I I, I repent that, that this pattern has been developed in my life. I can't blame anybody but me. I developed this pattern over time. And honestly, it felt good in the beginning. It worked. But now, I've, it's gotten me somewhere I didn't mean for it to go. And so I repent. I give it to you. Come on, tell him. God, I give this part to you. I give this attitude, this emotion. I give this, I give this thing. I give this habit. I give this cycle that I just keep finding myself in. I give it to you. And I start over today. You say, Pastor, is it just that easy? It's just that easy until you actually start walking. The prayer is the simple part. The decision is the hard part. The prayer is the easy part. Choosing a different way. That's when the work begins. But you got the Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of you to empower you and strengthen you and give you grace for this season. So Holy Spirit, that's what I ask you to do for every hand that was raised. And every heart that's in this moment feeling like they need a change. God, I pray for supernatural strength. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, give them strength to change their lives. To change a pattern one step at a time. God, find somebody on the road to Gaza today. Stop them in their tracks. Doesn't have to end up like Sam's. Doesn't have to end up in destruction. Doesn't have to end up in addiction. Doesn't have to end up in divorce. Doesn't have to end up losing relationships with your parents or your children. Doesn't have to end up that way. I turned my whole life today. I stay in this posture of prayer for 30 more seconds. You can put your hands down if you've never given your life to Jesus. That's where you got to start. You got to start in a moment of surrender to God. I can't pray this prayer for you, but I can pray it with you. As a matter of fact, everybody in church will pray this prayer along with you today. You got to mean it from the depths of your soul. If you need to come home today and rededicate your life to Christ, this prayer is for you. Everybody out loud say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life, my whole life, my patterns, my cycles. My destructive behavior, my sin, my thoughts, my past, my hopes, my dreams, my future, our marriage, our children, all of it. Here's the part you got to pray and mean from the depths of your soul. I repent. Save me today. I give you my life. Be the Lord of my life. I'll follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout a big amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit City Hills TX dot com right now 
And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.